Hello, everybody. Welcome to Post Piraresu. I'm John Pollock, along with WH Park, here for the month of March. We are back. We have lots to discuss. WH, how are you? I'm pretty good, John. It's my weekend. I have nothing planned except to uh, go to dinner with some friends later tonight and uh, just catch up on watching TV and some wrestling. It is the big, uh, you know, for most people, WrestleMania week coming up. But for you, is it all Champion Carnival coming up over the next uh, week? Yeah. You know, the thing about Mania Weekend or Mania Week is that there's just too many shows to try to keep up with. I usually wait till I, you know, I get all the buzz on Twitter, go see this, go see that. And then I'll try to find these shows later on and watch them on VOD as opposed to like trying to catch them live. What what do you feel? Is there anything a week out that you do feel you will try and catch anything that does catch your eye among even just uh, individual matches? Um, I'm really excited about the, the schedule that uh, Jonathan Gresham has. Like he has like a match with Masashi Takeda, who if people don't know, he's like like the biggest deathmatch wrestler in Big Japan wrestling right now. Um, but he's going to have a match with uh, Gresham at uh, Bloodsport, I think. Yes, I'm going to that uh, show. And I, I'm, I can't wait to hear the report. Um, I, I think I'm really excited about his match with uh, Shinjiro Otani. I think, is Game Changer doing that one too? Um, that is, oh man, they're all a blur to me right now. And yeah. my, my brain is fried at the moment. But uh, no as problem, you d- yeah. preview it, I will I will look it up actually. Cause I have yeah, it and then me. I think he, they, him and Chris Brooks, CCK, are supposed to fight. We're supposed to fight Pac and Osprey, but because of Pac's visa issues, they changed that to, I believe, the two of the young lion guys from the LA Dojo, uh, New Japan's LA Dojo. So I think that should be still be a good match. But yeah, Gresham is someone I really like. And I'm really excited about his Mania week because I think they got some really, really good matches for him. Yeah, he's got um, a few matches here. He's got the uh, he's facing Orange Cassidy at the uh, Powerbomb Family Reunion. That's happening on Thursday at noon. Then he's got the uh, Masashi uh, Takeda match at Bloodsport later that day at four o'clock. Then the following day, he is taking on uh, Shigehiro Irai. For Black Label Pro, that was a swap because of all the Dragon Gate guys that are now out. And then he's taking on Otani at the – it is a Game Changer show Saturday at noon. The uh, the Orange Cassidy is doing something show, which was in the place of Nova Pro, which is out. So, yeah, some interesting matches for Gresham. The Otani one looks uh, very cool. But, yes, no Dragon Gate representation at WrestleMania week any longer, WH. I don't know if you're up to speed on this, but uh, Visa issues were the downfall of the Dragon Gate crew. It's almost becoming a meme, isn't it? These issues with Japanese talent coming into work the United States. I, I um, cannot imagine running some of these shows. The headaches that just come with a regular show, and then you throw in international talent that I, I mean, I applaud WrestleCon for trying to go the the legal route and, and secure visas, but man, the just the amount of headaches like they were stating that between legal expenses and travel that is they're pretty much on the hook for it. This is like a $15,000 hit that they take losing this talent a week out, not to mention having to shuffle all their cards up, deal with uh, fans that are upset. It's just like, God bless some of the people that put on these shows, but I, I could not imagine um, being able to do this year after year. I mean, with the you know current you know political situation in different places, I mean, it's, it's really hard to book international talent like in, in, 
in the United States, and I imagine to some degree it might become that way in, in the United Kingdom as well in the future. Uh, so we have lots to go over on this month's show. We're going to do a quick preview of the uh, the Champion Carnival that we just mentioned that starts on Thursday on April the 4th. Uh, we'll also go through All Japan's recent uh, Dream Power Series card uh, that I got a, got to catch some of. A look at the G1 Supercard lineup, uh, the New Japan Cup. We have our top five matches that each of us have selected. Uh, but I want to start off uh, just discussing a bit about uh, Koji Katao, who... Um, this was interesting because uh, Nikon Sports in Japan reported this on Friday morning, our time in North America, that he had passed away all the way back on February the 10th. The report cited renal failure at the age of 55. And like, is this fairly common, WH, that when it's, um, you know, a, a death will not make its way into the public space for such a prolonged period of time or... Is this like an extended period that something like this would be kept quiet? Um, a lot of it has to do with probably like kind of like funeral ceremonies in Japan. They're, they're pretty extensive. They're all like based in Buddhism. So like you have the, you know, the person passing away, you have like then kind of the bereavement period for the family and they want to keep that kind of stuff private. Um, we, we saw something similar with the passing of Motoko Baba. Correct. She passed yeah. away. We didn't find out till like, you know, months, about a month or two later. So it's, it's not uncommon for like celebrities to pass away. Uh, depending on the wishes of the family, you might not hear about it until, you know, a month, two months, three months later, um, depending on the level of celebrity as well. It would also seem that there's very much an acknowledgement from the media as well to respect those wishes, because I cannot fathom something like that happening in the United States. Oh, definitely. The media would treat like something like this, you know, like very respectfully because of like, you know, Japan is still steeped very much in like, you know, tradition and like respect and honor. These aren't like cliches that are thrown around. That kind of stuff still exists here. Yeah. I mean, Koji Kitao had a very interesting career that spanned uh, not just professional wrestling, but also sumo, where he rose up to become a Yokozuna and then kind of was, you know, pretty much thrown out of sumo amidst, you know, issues with one of his, like, elder stablemates that, you know, in later years was kind of disputed, but he was pretty much, it was presented as a retirement, but he was pretty much thrown out of sumo, and that brought him over to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and it just seemed that one company after the other, there was an incident that would ultimately send Katao out the door, but someone who got numerous chances and had the unique distinction of being a rising up in sumo, then competing for New Japan, wrestling at WrestleMania, having a UFC fight, having a, a pride match with Nathan Jones. I mean, just someone that was all over the place. And I would say most people, when they hear Koji Katao, the go-to is the quote-unquote match that he had with uh, John Tenta in Kobe back in 1991. Yeah, I think you know, Koji Katao is one of those figures that's more famous for his controversies rather than any match that he had in professional wrestling or any skills that he might have had either in, in sumo or wrestling or MMA. Um, like you're saying, in sumo, he, he rose up to Yokozuna rank. Um, even that was amidst controversy because, uh, like, from what I was reading, like, he didn't, like, really earn the title of Yokozuna, but they, they needed some people in that rank for their, their upcoming tournaments. So people were dispute, like whether he was a worthy Yokozuna or not. And then when he left, you know, sumo to go into professional wrestling, he had, you know, 
you know, controversy after controversy, the incident with Ricky Choshu allegedly using an ethnic slur against him because Ricky Choshu is a, is actually Korean. And, uh, and then the incident with John Tenta and then, you know, from going from there and like basically saying at the time, which was completely unheard of that wrestling is fake wrestling is predetermined. This is all work. It, like I can't imagine that he was able to survive, like getting out of that locker room. Yeah, and the fact that he was also, like, as I said, he got so many different chances. Like, he was brought back for uh, the Duntaku card in 1995, actually teams with Anoki uh, against Choshu and Tenru. And it always seemed like Tenru always, I think, saw the best in this guy that, you know, he would eventually have his longest run with war and, of course, had the connection in SWS with, with Tenru, who was pretty much the kind of the figurehead uh, of that organization as well. But yeah, he retired in 1998 and then yeah, did, did a couple of fights um, and then uh, started his own gym as well. Um, but yeah, he's someone that I think, yeah, it's more so going to be the stories outside of the arena rather than the ones of a lot of potential that was thrust upon him at a, at a very early age and poised to be a star that uh, did not really reach those, those goals. Yeah, and through his own gym, he, you know, he kind of shepherded some, like, wrestlers that we know today, like, in, in particular, um, Masaki Mochizuki, and then he also was, he also shepherded someone like, uh, I forget his first name, but Okamura, who became the president of Dragon Gate up until the recent, like, you know, power shift in that company. So he, he was kind of like, you know, not directly involved in a lot of these things, but he was kind of had an influence in that regard on uh, the next generation of wrestling that came after him. And I guess his, his likeness, uh, if you are a WCW NWO world tour, uh, consumer, uh, he was represented in that video game as well. Yes. Uh, he has, I think his finisher was the, uh, STO, which I used a lot in, in, in beating a diamond Dallas page. Were you a big world tour player? I, th that was one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, yeah, that and the subsequent uh, sequel, like, and I have the Japanese version of that game, John, like, oh, wow, uh, Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, which uh, myself and noted video game player AJ Styles both tout as the greatest professional wrestling video game of all time. Have you heard that the elite are hinting towards uh, coming up with their own game, uh, hinting that they could have a THQ game with the same engine from... WCW, NWO, uh, the series of games that they put out. I did not hear that, but if it's going to be on like uh, Switch, I'll definitely buy a Switch for that. Uh, I hope it's for the PS4 because that's what the system I use, but I hope so. I think it's one of the most underutilized uh, you know, wrestling engines around. I, I never been into any of the 2K games. Never been into like... like I, I like Fire Pro to an extent, but I, I don't like the fighting engine on that thing. It's really, you know, Frustrating for someone who's used to more kind of the intuitive nature of like the THQ Aki engine. Yeah, that, that game, when I got that game, I just played that thing nonstop. It was just what a, it was just such a revelation to any prior wrestling game that I had played that were never all that spectacular. And then all of a sudden this, it was like a brand new world. I couldn't believe that they had created a game with this level of technology, which for 1997 just blew me away. It's amazing. And they had great. Openings. Oh, like the, the, openings they the were like game. mini movies that they had at the beginning. I remember when I bought Revenge and I just sat back and watched like this elaborate five minute opening that was just uh, amazing. 
Yeah, I think some of uh, Hulk Hogan's best performances were in those games, actually, during that period. <laughs> you know, in we'll move on from video games, but in Revenge, I figured out this little bug where you could unlock all these wrestlers, and it would just be like this shadowy figure that would appear, and then you'd have to unlock them. But if you adjusted, like, the tint on your television, it would uncover <laughs> who the mystery person was. So you knew who you were getting Yeah, before. so I could figure, hey, <laughs> Chris Canyon's coming with the next unlocking. So anyway, it's quite the technology. My television was smarter than THQ. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's circle back to the New Japan Cup. Uh, was this the best New Japan Cup tournament ever? I don't, I really like last year's, John. I thought the booking was phenomenal last year, but I think in terms of match quality, I think this one is atop the mountain for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be hard not to because you, you, you doubled the number of wrestlers. It was like a 32-person field this time, So, which I like. I like the tournament overall. I like the fact that they expanded it to include 32 people uh, because I thought that was a great way to showcase like some new talent like Mikey Nichols and Hikuleo. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you, you gave a push to people you don't normally see you know, get spotlighted like Lance Archer. Yoshihashi, Chase Owens, and Taichi. And I think, you know, all those guys did really well in the tournament. Uh, let's start off negative. Was there anyone that disappointed you? Uh, Toro Yano? <laughs> I guess that's fair. I'll, and, and, I'll and say that I, I think Mikey Nichols, uh, he didn't leave a strong impression on me. Yeah, I mean, his match with Okada was, like, technically okay, but there was, like, no emotion at all in that match. And I, I'm a little worried about the guy. I, I'm willing to give him a chance because I do think he has a good look and I feel like he's making an effort to like really kind of distance himself away from like kind of a lackluster WWE run and then try to make a name for himself in New Japan. So I'll, I'll give him to the next tour to really try to impress me before I kind of give up on him. It's, it's tough. It's, you know, he's going on to such a deep, deep roster and, you know, it's a guy that's been wrestling, you know, primarily tag matches for so much of his career. This is an enormous uh, adjustment for him. Yeah, and I I think they're going to put him with Juice in a tag team, it seems. Yeah, they certainly, that was the tease coming out of the final. Um, but before we get your, your top five matches of the tournament, uh, the decision uh, to go uh, Kazuchika Okada, I think he was uh, most people's uh, favorite. My pick was Ibushi at the beginning, so that did not pan out. Uh, David Boy Smith Jr., unfortunately, did not make it to the final. But uh, in terms of just uh, the layout, the booking, and it comes down to Okada Sonata in the final. Yeah, I thought it was, you know, like Okada was a guaranteed, in, in my opinion, because, you know, like in an, in, in an interview with, uh, you know, Dave Meltzer, Kenny Omega basically revealed the whole booking plan that it was supposed to be him and Okada in the finals. I didn't see where they were going to change, you know, Okada, obviously, Kenny had to be changed to Jay White. So it, it pre- he pretty much gave away the final as it, as it was, and he gave away the, the main event for MSG before the tournament even happened. Um, Oka- Sonata, though, like, I was surprised that he made it to the finals. It seemed like he was kind of being, like, you know, deep pushed, not deep pushed, but like just kind of like uh, forgotten a bit. And But this, again, is like, I think New Japan Cup is. Uh, event that like where he can shine and he can like showcase his skills and he can kind of like remind fans that hey like i'm here i'm actually a pretty good wrestler you know like and and maybe get the company behind him again yeah i just thought that the final two matches for him were just phenomenal with uh, tanahashi and okada i think he gets as much as the winner out of this tournament i thought that this was to me this is 
certainly the hottest he's felt since he challenged Okada. And I would say coming out of this tournament, it might be the hottest he's ever felt. Um, you know, he doesn't have a very prominent spot at the Madison Square Garden show, but I think come this spring, he's certainly one of those individuals that everyone's going to have a lot of eyes on in terms of what is the follow up to, to build off of, uh, this performance. Cause I, I thought they reheated him tremendously well throughout this tournament. I agree. I, I, that's, and that's the thing. That's the key is what's the follow up? What's he going to do between now and the G1 climax? What's he going to do in the G1 climax? I gotta think he's got a point really high at the end of that tournament. So we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful about Sonata. I really like him. I hate his beard. I do too. You and I are completely in agreement on that one. Uh, but. I think I, I put this out on Twitter that like, you know, Sonata should have a hair versus hair match with somebody, maybe like maybe Goto and Sonata loses that match. But like everyone thinks he's going to shave, you know, Sonata's mohawk, but instead he just shaves his beard and that's it doesn't touch his the top of his head, just shaves off that beard. And that that should be the end of that like match and that angle. Well, let's uh, let's go through your your top five matches of the tournament and feel free to throw in any honorable mentions if you have them. Okay, so top five was uh, Sonata versus Okada in the finals, uh, Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. in round two. Are you going? Uh, are you going from top to bottom or bottom to top? Uh, no particular order, but okay. Sonata versus Okada was my favorite match. Okay. the whole thing. Uh, so uh, Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. in round two. Uh, Will Ospreay versus, uh, Lance Archer in round two, and uh, Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito in round one, and. Tomohiro Ishii versus, believe it or not, John, Taichi. In, <laughs> was that the best uh, match of Taichi's career? <laughs> I think it was. That guy was like channeling his inner Kawada, who was his, his like, you know, his mentor in his early days of his career. And I was just like, oh my God, this guy's popping up from power bombs and, and, and stuff. And he's like doing the Kawada kicks. He's, Ishii's doing the Kawada kicks. It's fantastic. I, I really came aboard with Taichi in that particular match. And the thing is, like, I want Taichi to kind of, like, continue being that kind of a wrestler. I mean, continue the character work to a degree, but, like, less of the chicken shit stuff and more the serious wrestler. Like, I would like to see that balance of his character with serious wrestler. When he did the backstage interview after he was eliminated and he... And he wants the match with uh, Will Ospreay for the never open weight title. And he's being told that first Will Ospreay has to face Jeff Cobb at Madison Square Garden. And Taichi won't even call Jeff Cobb by name. He just calls him Piggy. <laughs> I thought he was great. I just thought this guy has really finally – it's starting to – somehow come together for Taichi. I never would have expected it, but it just, uh, like, he had a really, I, I wouldn't even say, like, a great tournament, but a great ending to the tournament, where I just think by the end of it, um, you know, you were more sold than before on, on Taichi. This was a net positive for him over the course of these three weeks. Yeah, I think the, the thing is he was able to kind of wash away the bad taste of his match with Naito with that horrible angle uh, beforehand. Um uh, as for runner runner ups, uh, I really like the Ishi Nagata match. Uh, I like Sonata versus Tanahashi. Uh, Zack Saber Jr. versus Evil was really good, and Okada versus uh, Ishi was good. And Okada versus Elgin, I thought was you know a good, really good match for for Elgin to showcase like, hey, like you can you know give me some spotlight. I can deliver in a big match with one of your top guys. My top five uh, were 
Suzuki and and I got a list of like eleven here, but I uh, these are my top five. I've got Suzuki and Sonata from March seventeenth, fifth, fourth was Tanahashi Sonata from March twenty third. Third, I had Abushi Naito, their opening round match on March 10th. And then the top two, this is really a coin flip, but I had Okada Sonata, and number one was Okada Ishii uh, from March 23rd. Uh, in It wasn't the best match, but my God, did that Tanahashi-Shota Umino match totally live up to my expectations. I I love that match so much. Oh, I, I really liked it too. I, I'm just so hopeful about Shota Umino. I really don't think he needs to go on an excursion. They should just like I'm with you. Start pushing him. I'm with you. I don't need to see him go somewhere for nine months and have some awful gimmick and wrestle less matches than he would at home. And he could like him, Ren Narita, like these guys to me are so ready. And Umino's the top of the pack of a loaded young lions division at the moment. Oh yeah, and, and then you have like Ayato Yoshida waiting in the wings. You have like Kawato uh, coming back at some point. Yeah, I, see, I don't want. What's happening to Kawato in Mexico to happen to Umino? I agree. I think he's he's totally off the radar. So we'll see what happens. I'm I'm thinking they're finally going to bring him back, maybe for Best of the Super Juniors. Like Kawato, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I hope so. Like, this could be a very deep uh, Best of the Super Juniors, as we've discussed, and that's another name that could find his way in. Yeah, hopefully we'll see. Uh, do you have an MVP of the tournament? Who was the Who was the standout of all of them? It's hard to say. There's so many good performers in this john like maybe ishii i thought ishii as well i think well. he got like awesome matches out of everyone that he had that he had you know he was faced against um i i gonna i think my top performers were tomohiro ishii okada will osprey i mean he got was that think, the best match of lance archer's match. career oh for sure for yeah. sure i'm not a huge archer fan but like that was a great match. That match that's on my list here on my my top uh, it, it, well, it's 11 of the, the matches I have here, but I, I thought that was way over-delivered. Oh, for sure. Like, I, if that's the archer we see, like, the same thing with Tai Chi. If that's the kind of Tai Chi we're going to see, I'm I'm behind him. If that's the Lance Archer we're going to see, I think less of trying to be a character, more kind of being a monster, a powerhouse wrestler. I, I'm all for g- giving Lance Archer a big push, and I would love to see him in the G1 if that's the same Archer we're going to see, the one we saw. There was a year, I want to say 2014, like he had a he had a very good G1 when he was, you know, that was years back, but it was... You know, eye-opening to me because it, the, it had been the best I had seen him uh, post TNA. That here was a guy that had some some good quality matches, and I, I don't know if he can have a sustained run like that this many years later. But the Osprey match was certainly eye-opening. That when this guy's in there with the right person, he can definitely go. Yeah, I think he had a similar like you know career defining match with AJ Styles in the G One. Yes. So. When he's like against a smaller kind of more like aerial based wrestler, I think like is when where he shines as a performer. Uh, rounding up my top performers would be Kota Ibushi uh, and uh, Zack Saber Jr., who I just thought I actually thought there was a point where he's going to run the tournament again. I thought he was going to the final. I t- I I was with you. I was I thought he was beating Tanahashi and going to the final, and then the winner would end his uh, streak. I didn't think he was repeating, but I thought they would just ride that unbeaten streak right to the final. But it was fine the way they did it, and obviously sets up the rematch with Tanahashi for Madison Square Garden as well. Yeah, for the British heavyweight title. That is correct, and that can take us to the Madison Square Garden show, because we now have the entire lineup 
Headlined by Jay White, Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight title, Jay Lethal, Marty Skrull, and Matt Taven in a ladder match for the ROH title, Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi for the Intercontinental title, Will Ospreay versus Jeff Cobb for both the Never, Never Openweight and ROH television titles, Zack Sabre Jr., Hiroshi Tanahashi for the British Heavyweight title, four-way for the ROH and IWGP tag titles, Brody King and PCO, the Gorillas of Destiny, the Briscoes against Evil and Sonata, Three-way with Taiji Ishimori defending the junior heavyweight title against Dragon Lee and Bandito. Mayu Iwatani versus Kelly Klein in a rematch for the Women of Honor title. Dalton Castle versus Roosh. Bully Ray's open challenge and the Honor Rumble, which they have only announced Jushin Thunder Liger thus far for. I think they've announced a couple more names on the ROH website. I, I was looking at Wikipedia and they said Kenny King, PJ Black, Beer City Bruiser, Brian Malonis and Cheeseburger are also going to be in this with Jushin Thunder Liger. All right. Well, th- yeah, this is where you would expect all the remaining roster members to end up in. Yeah. I uh, I like the New Japan side of this card a lot more than I like the ROH side of this card, John. You know, uh, Dalton Castle versus Rush doesn't move me in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm, Bully Ray's Open Challenge, New York City Street Fight, I'm, unless it's Either Ishii or even better, Minoru Suzuki, so everyone can hear Kaze Ninare live and in person in Madison Square Garden. I don't give a shit. I don't care if it's Flip Gordon, which I've, my worry is that it's Flip Gordon. No offense to the guy, but I think that would be the most disappointing, like, reveal that is going to be Flip Gordon. It's like, no one wants to see Flip Gordon versus Bully Ray again. I don't think it will be Flip. Like, his knee seems like it, there's, it doesn't seem likely that I think he'd be in this. Maybe it'll be Kerry Sulkin pay off this bully ray feud for the last year yeah well, who do you want to see john um e- either of those i mean i can't imagine ishii and suzuki not being on this card and thrown into the rumble although you would think one of them probably will be um yeah i, c- I could see it being ishii or suzuki i, I-, I- flip a coin I-, I think that those are the safest to go with um yeah because i i don't really know whenever you do the surprise you better have a great surprise and not something that is going to let people down, which, you know, Flip Gordon, they finished that feud in December. So I w- even before he had hurt the knee, I wasn't too hot on that one because I, I think that's too expected. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe maybe they're going to do a three-way. Maybe, like, first Ishii's going to come down, and then maybe Suzuki, like, you start hearing Kaze Niare, the opening strains of it, and then everyone goes nuts, and then maybe they'll make it a three-way. There's nothing to say that they can't oh, you, you can have, have a uh, three-way. Kaze Niare... Contrasted with Enter Sandman as the Sandman comes out, the Battle of the Entrances, and then we get a tag match. No, no one wants to see that, John. No one wants to see the Sandman in this match. Uh, I, I think for- that this, I think this looks like a great card. I'm going to be at this show. I, I, it's a very deep card. I think this is going to be a very long show, um, especially when you're looking at the top end. Like from, like of these top five matches, I'd say they're all going close to 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean. Like I said, like the the New Japan side excites me. Like I, I think if the ROH title match was just a straight one on one between Lethal and Skrull, I'd be more excited about it. Um, I think Taven and the latter, to me, just comes across as overbooking. It's not even a, a thing against Matt Taven per se. It's just I'm I'm so over I'm so tired of like overbooking. That, that goes with the the tag team title match. I don't want to see four people, four teams, like eight people in, in one match. It's just too much. I, I, that to me, if I was there live, 
that's that's the piss break match for me. Uh, along with, I guess, Castle and Roosh. I don't care about that. Like Osprey and Cobb, I think will be awesome. They had great interactions in New Japan, and it's going to be for both titles. I, I think Osprey is going to take that. That's my prediction. Um, the, the junior heavyweight title, Ishimori, Dragon Lee, and Bandito should be an amazing spectacle. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Saber and Tanahashi, those guys have amazing, amazing chemistry. I don't know who's going to win that. Like, I think Tanahashi has a, has a decent chance of becoming the new RevPro champion. Uh, Naito and Ibushi and who hates their neck more match. That's what I call it. <laughs> Uh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm what are the, be watching that, that match is be but nuts. also apprehension, John. Sorry, what was that? So I'm going to be watching that with excitement and anticipation along with apprehension. Oh, I have no doubt about it. I, I was kind of surprised. I understand they really want to load up this show, but I was kind of surprised they put new Japan, put so much onto this show. Um, well, uh, Naito Bushi was one. I could have seen them saving for Dantaku or something in April, but yeah, everything's here. I could definitely see Tanahashi winning this British heavyweight title, and therefore you have a main event for the uh, Copper Box show at the end of August. Him defending the British heavyweight title against uh, whether you've almost kind of like exhausted him and Zach at this point, but there's no shortage of options either if you want to go a different direction, or you could go back to that. You could go to Osprey. Like they've not had a singles match, is to my recollection, and I think that would be something that would really you know spark. You know, ticket sales. And you could set that match up with Osprey beating Tanahashi in the G1. Exactly. That, so I, that starts Osprey's G1 off really solid. If, like, that's kind of Tanahashi's role. Lose early and it sets up your rematch down the road. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm excited about, you know, the main event. I, I'm not the biggest, you know, supporter of, of Switchblade Jay White, but, you know, I, I think he has excellent chemistry with Okada, and I, I do think they're going to have the moment. They're going to book the moment of Okada winning the IWGP heavyweight title. I think they're going to have him hold that belt up in Madison Square Garden for like to, to be able to show that all over New Japan world. And I think it's going to make the fans happy if they see a title change for a belt that they never would have seen defended in Madison Square Garden. You know, before you know this card. Do you think that this is going to be several steps back for Jay White to have such a short title reign? And also, it really does cement that he was playing Kenny Omega for two months. Or do you see any chance of a, a different outcome here? I'm with you. I feel that this is uh, keep, keeping things on track where Okada wins this title on this big stage. Um, but I do feel Jay White, it's, it's kind of just, you know, he – I think he was – someone that had some traction and I've been more high on this choice as champion than others have. But I, I think that this loss, he's certainly one that is going to have to be carefully taken care of be, uh, after this title loss. I I think he'll be fine because the company obviously believes in him like a hundred percent. I mean, they gave him that huge push. Like I think, yeah, he was a placeholder for Kenny b- before, you know, like after Kenny left for AEW, um, but like, they're, they're firmly behind him. I think he's a talented wrestler. I'm not a huge fan of the character, but I think the wrestler is amazing. I was a big fan of him as, as a young lion. Um, it doesn't hurt him because like they did the same thing with Naito. They got Naito to win the belt and then he lost it right away. So, and Naito's fine. It's just like what to you 
program him with after this Madison Square Garden show. That's the key. It's like you have to keep him in the mix, have him engaged with someone who's going to, you know, keep him in the eyes of the fans as a top guy and maybe like kind of like season him up more about his like in ring, like, you know, kind of like get rid of some of like the things that I, I personally don't like. That's just my own personal taste, but yeah, we'll see. But I, I think he'll have a good G1. I think he's going to do very well in the, in the G1 this summer. So let's move on over to the champion carnival. It's going to be starting on Thursday. It runs through April 29th in the a block. Uh, it's represented by Triple Crown champion Kento Miyahara, along with Kengo Mishimo, Dylan James, Shuji Ishikawa, Yuma Aoyagi, Yuji Okabayashi, Ryoji Sai, Gianni Valletta, and Zeus. And over in the B block, Sam Adonis, Joe Doring, Jake Lee, Daichi Hashimoto, Naoya Nomura, Joel Redman, who you may remember as Oliver Gray when he was in NXT, Suwama, uh, the former Cyber Kong, now Takashi Yoshida, and Kenny Omega's favorite wrestler, Yoshitatsu. Yeah, you sent me that clip to talk about. This is from the panel. Yeah, the C2E2 panel where uh, Kenny Omega uh, shares his thoughts on Yoshitatsu, and this guy was terrible. is pretty terrible I'll, I'll agree with kenny on that for sure <laughs> yes he does is pretty terrible um yeah i not as good as last year's last year we had like yuji hino we had naomi shimara fuji akiyama we had, we had akiyama that's we a big uh, loss shingo takagi uh the thing with like akiyama is like this year kengo mishimo apparently might be injured so we haven't, haven't got an official word about that. If that happens, then Akiyama is probably the most likely person to be slotted as a, as a, as a replacement for that. We'll, we'll see what happens. I haven't heard anything like official, official about Mishimo not being in the Champions Carnival this year. But um, for me, this has to be the carnival where like Aoyagi in A Block has to get the big push. Uh, I think he's got to get some key wins in this tournament. I think they're going to push Yuji Okabayashi, who's from Big Japan, uh, really hard in this. Um, yeah, and then you know, K- Kento doesn't need to be like you know pushed hard, but I think his role has to be to you know maybe put over Okabayashi for an upcoming Triple Crown match, and then definitely I want to see either like you know a thirty-minute draw with like you know with Aoyagi or Aoyagi beating him. I don't think it's going to happen, but. I just want them to have an like an excellent match that really like gets people behind Aoyagi even more. You know, I, I think it's his time. Um, the the I think that's the, probably the match I'm most looking forward to is Miyahara against Okabashi and against Aoyagi in in A Block. Uh, block B, I'm not that excited about to be honest. Like I, I'm really high on Naoya Nomura, especially. Oh, that guy his- is it, man. I I just. I was blown away by this match he just had with uh with Miyahara. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll talk, talk about more it. about him there, yeah. But I think him and Jake Lee. Uh, I watched this um, All Japan show from Yokohama this past week. He was in a six. He was in a tag match. It was Jake and oh sorry, let me look this up. It was is Nomura and Suwama against uh, uh, Jake Lee and Yoshitatsu. So they're kind of mixing up the participants of the carnival into different like tag teams, like people who don't normally tag with each other were tagging. And Nomura and Jake Lee in that match, in that tag match, just had real fire. And this is like the most emotional I've ever seen 
Jake Lee is like when he's in there with Nomura. So I'm, I'm really excited about their, their singles match in the carnival. Um, Joel Redman, I've heard is a good technical wrestler, but no one really knows what he's been doing since he left NXT. Uh, Suwama is Suwama. I'm excited about that. Uh, Takashi Yoshida, I've never been a Cyber Kong fan, John. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm morbidly curious as to see how he'll do in the match. He's like the replacement for obviously Shingo Takagi. Obviously Takagi's in New Japan now, so he's not going to work the carnival. So Dragon Gate sent Yoshida instead. Uh, Daichi Hashimoto is kind of like up and down for me. We'll see what he does. Uh, Joe Doring, I think will have a good tournament. The, the only thing I'm really not excited about is Sam Adonis because I don't know anything about him outside of being Corey Graves' brother, outside of having a very, you know, controversial gimmick with the pro Trump, you know, gimmick and, and, and doing the, you know, and having the controversy at a Rev Pro show, which got him banned forever from there. I don't want to see those things coming to the champion carnival. I want to see if he's actually a good wrestler. Well, you'll probably after this champion carnival have a pretty good assessment of all of these guys that have question marks attached to them. I, I would say that the, the big thing I'm looking for is to just, yeah, have some big challengers for Miyahara coming out of this. I would say maybe, you know, two or three guys that you have kind of lined up to take you through the next, uh, couple of cycles that I, I think that they could really use some guys stepping up to join the likes of Nomura, who I think could be a great rival for Miyahara uh, beyond just what we just uh, witnessed and we'll talk about. And yeah, certainly the opportunity is there, I think, for a lot of these guys to just step up and really open some eyes here. There's great potential and just seeing if some guys can surprise people with performances. Yeah, I'm going... With the finals, I think we're going to have uh, Okabayashi versus mm, either Jake Lee. I'm thinking maybe they could do another Nomura, you know, Kento match. But, like, he's kind of my favorite is Okabayashi to win this thing. and I, Or, you know, Jake Lee. Because I think they got to give Jake Lee the big push. He's got to be the one to, like, kind of join Nomura. Now, like, Nomura has kind of exceeded uh, Jake Lee in this in the pecking order in the company, I feel with that match he had with Miyahara, uh, but we'll see. I'm, I'm looking forward to Aoyagi, Nomura, Lee, you know Miyahara, Okabayashi in this tournament. Well, both of us got a chance to see uh, most of the recent uh, Dream Power Series card uh, that took place on March 19th. It featured uh, Daisuke Sekimoto and Yuji Okabayashi losing the All Japan Tag Titles to Yuji Ishikawa and Suwama. They went 26 minutes, 48 seconds, ending when Ishikawa hit his uh, giant killer, which is his version of the Olympic Slam, onto Okabayashi uh, for the win. You recommended this match to me, and this was pretty much of this 26-48, I would say like 75% of it was just these guys going at 100 miles an hour and just a... Like classic heavyweight style tag match involving these four, and just uh excellent, excellent tag match. Yeah, like outside of the work, I thought this, this the storytelling in the match was really excellent. Like especially there are points I think like uh, Ishikawa's trapped in like Sekimoto Okabayashi's corner, and and they're kind of telling a mini story between Okabayashi and and Ishikawa, where like I think Sekimoto tags in Ishikawa. Exits the ring and then so like Ishi, but Ishikawa no Okabayashi exits the ring 
Ishikawa's like not done with him. He just kicks him in the head and Okabayashi just comes back in and just starts pummeling Ishikawa while Sekimoto's just watching. I just love those little kind of details. And then you paired off Sekimoto with Suwama to some degree in the match. And it's one of the best tag matches. I like it a little bit better than their first match back in, I think it was January or February where a strong BJ won the titles. I like this match just a little bit better. Both are excellent tag team matches. Go out of your way to see both of them. Um, I thought the junior title match between Kochi Iwamoto and Kotaro Suzuki was a really good match. My only complaint is that I think Iwamoto needs to get away from like trying to do the judo throw as his, you know, finisher. I like, they keep trying to set it up. I would rather he, he gets it over. Like, like the way he did before, but because of like a sudden, like finish, I would like to see that. I think that'd be kind of a, a fresh change. And yeah, and then we have the triple crown title match, John. Yeah, this was, you know, two of all Japan's heavyweights that will probably have a rivalry for years and years. Miyahara is 30. Nomura's only 25. And yeah, they just had this excellent match. It went, uh, 29 minutes and it was just Nomura. Coming so close to being able to beat Miyahara and, uh, his finish is, uh, called Maximum, which is this high angle Death Valley bomb that he was able to hit and then followed it off the top with a splash, getting a near fall. And then Nomura goes back up to the top, hits another one. And again, uh, Miyahara kicks out. So Nomura's just throwing everything at him, but he just can't beat him. He hits another Maximum and the place is electric and then it's Miyahara coming back. He gets a one count, and I thought that gave a lot of fire for Nomura being able to kick out at one, and then he goes down, and they had this struggle with Miyahara trying to lock his arms to finally hit the shutdown German suplex, and it was just the struggle that Nomura showcased at the end that I thought he gained so much standing um, going toe-to-toe here with the Triple Crown champion. He loses, but I think his stock rises significantly here, and yeah, certainly this guy is, uh, I, w- I would say, one of their brightest, brightest stars um, to be a solid heavyweight talent for the next 10 to 15 years. Oh, I definitely think he's going to get the, the Triple Crown at some point in the near future. My favorite moment in this match, John, like there's a point where like Miyahara is going to do the shutdown, as you're saying. And instead of like, you know, getting like Nomura getting hit with it and then kicking out, Nomura just popped out of it. And I like that. I like this kind of trend I see now of people not kicking out of big moves or finishers, but people avoiding them, like not getting hit with them or powering out of things like a German suplex and things like that. Um, What I liked about this match was, and Miyahara is excellent about doing this. It's like, he, he's the champion. You have the challenger. And then, you know, the challenger has to beat the champion. That's kind of the story. But at some point in a match with Miyahara, he turns it around where he's got to beat his challenger. You know, the dynamic, the kind of the, the, the paradigm shifts where, and it gets the, the challenger over more. And he's doing an excellent job as a champion to like, okay, this guy could beat me. I, I thought I could beat him at the beginning of the match. Now we're in the middle. We're near the end of the match. He can beat me. He did that with Kai back in January. Um, Suwama's a little different dynamic because Suwama's a more established star, but I thought he did the exact same thing with Nomura, where Nomura looked like he was the one that Miyahara had to beat, not the other way around. Uh, so that can take us over. Uh, I'm curious if either of those matches topped uh, 
for your match of the month, the uh, Momo Watanabe Jungle Kiona match for the Wonder of Stardom title. Earlier this month, it was uh, Watanabe's 11th title defense. Um, th- this was another uh, incredible match. Um, take it away, WH. Was this your match of the month? Uh, there was a no, lot of candidates was, in March. There's a lot of candidates. I'm going to have to go with Miyahara and uh, and, and uh, Nomura, but this, this is up there. I, I would say probably this is my third favorite match of the month. Um, I really like this match. Um, one thing that while I was watching it, I'm watching like, you know, Momo's more of a striker. She does a lot of kicks and, and you know, like not so much high flying. And then Jungle Kion is a power wrestler for the most part. Um, and to me, I was just like, there's this paradigm shift, you know, like in stardom that's moving less away from like kind of its lucha roots that were highlighted by people like Kairi Hojo, aka Kairi Sane and Io Shirai. And, uh, to some extent also Mayu Iwatani. And then you have moving towards people like Momo Watanabe. And underneath her, you have Konami, who's in Queen's Quest with her. You have, um, who else? You have, uh, Tom Nakano, who's kind of does a, you know, kind of a martial arts gimmick as well. And then you have the power wrestlers in Jungle Kiona. Underneath her is Natsuko Tora and then uh, the super rookie, Utami Hayashishida. And I feel like, you know, like we're getting away from like that, the kind of aerial style that highlighted Stardom's main event scene to more of like kind of like, I feel it's kind of like a, like an all Japan pro wrestling style of the 90s. Like, I totally see in that, terms that of same storytelling, thing. Yeah. In terms of, Pacing, I thought this was very much like a Kobashi Misawa match, you know? I, I thought that they set the tone for this so well. Like, they're in Kiona's hometown of Nagoya, and they did this huge ceremony beforehand. Uh, Kiona's father is there presenting her with flowers. Um, I just thought, like, this felt like just such a massive title match that they set the scene for ahead of time for the crowd to just be so electric when this started, and they, they held up for the entire match. Yeah, I, I I think Jungle, you know, didn't get hurt by losing to Momo. I think the story is building towards the, the next match that Momo's going to have is against Utami. Uh, Utami's on this mega roll. She's got, like, I don't know, seven belts right now. And Wonder of Stardom is the next thing she's going to go for. And, like, is Momo challenging her, saying, I want you to challenge me. We're the two top people in this company right now. And that's the thing is that Momo has the Wonder Storm title, which is like, you know, the icy title ostensibly, but she's her and Io Shirai before her have elevated that belt where I think it's more important than the belt that Kagetsu has, which is the world of stardom red belt. Um, so I, and her and Utami are the, the hottest things in that company. So, so I, I'm very excited about that match, John. I think it's going to be a, a belter. Yeah. Uh, one other thing from this match, they had after this just huge striking exchange, they're both in opposite corners, just down from exhaustion. And the way they shot this was just, it looked great. Like they're just in opposite corners. They're both down. And then you had the, the closing stretch of this match that ended with, um, uh, bridging pump handle suplex by Watanabe for the win. 21 minutes, 22 seconds. Uh, I highly recommend this match. It was, excellent and just from start to finish like uh, stardom includes all of the pre-match stuff they have the promos subtitled it's like the easiest product to just jump onto if you're a non-japanese speaking viewer and yeah just all of the pre-match stuff i I thought was great i'm glad they include that instead of just the match beginning and none of that stuff beforehand they do a lot of 
this really great stuff, like you're saying, like before the match, especially with their title matches, is like they'll show them outside in the hallway getting ready to come into the arena area for each wrestler. They did that with Momo and Yoshirai. They did that with Momo against, I think, Kagetsu. They had a match in Cork and Hall. And I, I love that stuff. It just has this big feel moment. And that's, again, something that harkens back to something you'd see in in 1990s, like all, New Japan, and particularly All Japan. I remember, like, you know, they have matches in Budokan Hall. You'd see, like, Masawa just waiting in the hallway, waiting to come into the arena. Same thing with Kobashi. And I thought, this gives us a real sport feel, which is something I think Stardom is kind of kind of try to incorporate a little bit more into their like you know their kind of idol image that they have for their promotion but i i'm all for like the kind of the direction that stardom is going to into you know 2019 yeah and they are going to new york next week they have a card on the friday at the nyc arena um but they have not announced any matches. This feels almost as though you're just going for the stardom experience and it's kind of like a house show rather than a big card that they're building to well, their house shows are fun. I've been to. Like, I'm sure this is going to be a really shows. great show to go to. I wish I could go to this. I have tickets to the Rev Pro show, so I cannot attend this. But I would love to have gone to this. Well, maybe in in January, John, we'll we'll go to a Cork and Stardom show. I'm in. I'm in. I would love to see Stardom when I'm over there. So a lot of cool stuff going on in Stardom at the moment. Uh, how about Noah? Are you? Uh, I know you have. Uh, caught up on some noah and they're doing a great thing now where they are putting up a lot of their shows onto youtube um it's like a free streaming service that they pretty much are using through youtube right now so uh, selfishly i think this is great i might be watching more noah as a result of just the accessibility i think that's the key yeah accessibility because like you know no noah doesn't really have any kind of you know tv deal or their own streaming service so the way they make money is from like touring it's like at the box office so i think if you can showcase like some high profile cards so they put up last night they put up their cork and hall show um and the, the time the first time they did this was like their last card at hakata star lanes which is closing soon and i thought those this is just such a great idea get people to watch your product and get excited about going to see it live. Cause it's kind of like the old, um, you know, WWF model and the old kind of territorial model of like, put some stuff on TV, get people excited. And maybe they'll draw them to, to come to the live show, buy a ticket, buy merchandise. I think it's such a smart thing that Noah's doing. And they, they rebranding of their, their logo, their mat. I think I was a little skeptical about it before, but I, I like it. I think it gives them a fresh feel. Um, you know, and I, 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 like, I watched the Yokohama show where Miyahara, uh, no, sorry, Kaito Kiyomiya, the current GHC champion, took on Naomichi Marafuji. And I was just so impressed with the, the set, John. I just think it looks so, like, uh, you know, top tier, like, compared to what they were doing before, like, kind of being bought out by the new owners. Um, I like the presentation of Noah a lot. I'm not super excited about, a lot of the roster and I'm not excited about some of these new tag teams that they created. I, I don't understand why Sugiera is teaming with Cosmo Sakamoto. I don't know what I've done, John, to have to endure Cosmo Sakamoto in two promotions. I follow in Noah and Dragon Gate. You know, it just seems like it's be, I'm being punished for something having to endure that. Uh, Mitsuya Nagai, who I hate is teaming with Asushi Kotoge. Um, Kotoki is out with an arm injury right now, but like when he comes back, they're going to put these two, I guess, in a comedy tag team. I guess it's better than seeing him do his second rate 
Minoru Suzuki gimmick. That that being Missy and the guy. But otherwise, the top of the card is looking pretty good. Like you have Koshizaki and Kazuhiko Nakajima. They're called Axis. They're the tag champions. Uh, you got you know Marafuji always kind of up in there, and you have like Keno and um, Kiyomiya like as a tag team. I want to kind of talk about Kiyomiya John, which I I, I kind of feel up and down about his his GHC title reign right now, and I want to compare him to like Kento Miyahara, and I want to also compare him to. Nomura, because we talk about like Nomura in his match with Miyahara. Like at some point, you know, you felt that Miyahara realized he had to beat Nomura, and that kind of made Nomura elevated Nomura in the eyes of the fans. Like the thing with Kiyomiya, I never feel like he's, I never feel like he's the person to beat, even though he's a champion. I always feel like his challengers, whether it's Keno, Masakitamiya, and even like this last match he had with Marafuji. I always feel he's, as a champion, is trying to beat his challenger, which I think is like a dynamic that doesn't really fit a champion, especially the GHC champion. So at some point, I really feel that Noah has to book a match where at some point, like, the his challenger has to be a big name, realizes it's not Kiyomiya having to beat him, it's the challenger has to beat the champion, which is where I think we'll, where people will finally... I, at least I will come around on Kiyomiya fully. And I'm a big supporter of Kiyomiya. I really am. But like, it's just kind of been lackluster in terms of his character development, I suppose, rather than his in-ring work. Who would jump out at you as that that big name? Like there isn't a a dearth of them for, for Noah to choose from. But who who jumps out at you as someone that you, you feel could um, give him that, that credibility as your GHC champion and cement his spot? I think it- – I think it has to be Takashi Sugiera, the guy yeah. he beat for the title. Cause he has the most, you know, like aura in the company. He, he's like, he was a champion for a long time. He was a champion before Kiyomiya. He, he's like, a, you know, he's just a killer, you know, like Sugiera is like, like almost 50 and he's like still like, he looks amazing and he's still wrestling at such a high level. I think, you know, his win over Sugiera was a little, it was a good match, but nothing spectacular. I think he needs to have a rematch with Sigara where that, you know, that shift changes and that will kind of like propel Kiyomiya to the level where I think he has to be to kind of take Noah, you know, like um, to a more successful kind of, you know, stage. Well, if you want to check out more, you can just, uh, Go youtube.com slash GHC Noah. And yeah, they have uh, Friday's uh, Corquin Hall show up there. And man, could you have imagined this technology in 2003, WH? You just, the day of a Kobashi title defense, you go on YouTube and there's the entire show. Could you imagine? I I, I can't. <laughs> and I'm so glad it exists today because if it existed back in 2003, John, I would have saved so much money. Let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, before we get out of here, uh, the upcoming Ice Ribbon show that you want to chat about. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one particular storyline uh, that's going to happen, that's going to culminate in a, in a match on the Ice Ribbon show at Cork and Hall on on Sunday. Um, it's going to be um, Tsukasa Fujimoto, who is the top star in the company. She's not the Ice Ribbon champion, but she's like the top star of the company. She's been embroiled in this storyline with... Tintin. Now, John, do you know who Tintin is? Like the cartoon character? Not the cartoon character. So, Tintin is the wife of Andresa the Giant Panda. Okay. 
So at the Tokyo Sports Awards, there they did this thing where like you know, uh, Sukasa was like gave Andres a, a kiss on the cheek, right? And for those who don't know, Andres a giant panda is exactly that. It's a person dressed in a giant panda panda outfit who rustles people. You you have to see it to appreciate it. I, I'm not one for the sillier things in wrestling, John, but I I really love Andres the giant panda. It's one of my favorite things in wrestling right now so then like you know they they show this picture of sukasa kissing you know andres the giant panda and then they have a story in the in the papers where you know uh, tintin his wife who's also a giant panda is like pissed so they they put a mask on her where it's like the the giant panda head doesn't have the smiling face it has the angry face so it's like i'm pissed you're you're having an affair with my husband and like you know it's like kind of playing off like real life situations not with Sukasa, but with like maybe other wrestlers and then you see their kid i forget what their kid's name is but he's got this sad face uh you know panda head on it's really funny and then they just did an, a big angle where uh tintin showed up at a ice show as you know Sukasa went out to to like confront her and then like tintin just way later with a big like slap to the head and she got stretchered out john i'm i'm really excited to see this match on Sunday when it makes tape. Wow. Well, I, I think you owe it to everybody to provide your thoughts on, on Twitter after this match to, in case they can't see it, to find out what the resolution of this uh, big conflict is. You know who's going to this show, John? Oh. That we know? Chris? No, uh, Mark Raimondi is going to this oh, show. Oh, Ma- Mark is over there right now for one championship, and I'm not surprised that he is getting in uh, – uh, a healthy slate of wrestling shows while he's over there. The, f- the funny thing is, is like, uh, like Fraser Marriott, who did like some of our G1 review yep. shows last year, because he went to all the, the things he, he was going to originally go to this show, but he couldn't uh, go because of work, I think. And then he was looking to get rid of his ticket. And like by Wednesday or Thursday, he still hadn't gotten rid of it. So I just retweeted that. And then like Mark, cause we follow each other on Twitter. Mark like, was like, Oh, like, yeah, I, I, I want in. And then Mark, DM'd me and just said, like, I haven't heard back from this guy. And I was like, okay, let me contact him. So, like, I was able to. You were the ticket broker. I was a ticket broker. I didn't, I didn't get a commission though. Oh. So uh, maybe Mark owes me a, a Lawson's sandwich that he, he and I both like. Some well, if I go to MMAfighting.com next week and there's a giant panda in the featured story, we'll know it's, it was all because of WH Park. Well, no, like, I just, I just thought it was a funny story that you would enjoy hearing, John. Oh, that's great. You know, I will, uh, I will get to see Chris Charlton next week because he's going to be in New York for the New Japan card. Are you going to bring him up on stage? Uh, if he's there, he's more than welcome to. Yes. You know, Chris, I will say, has an under, underutilized sense of humor. He's very dry because he's British. But if, if, if you can, you should totally bring him up on, onto stage. I think he'll like entertain. I, I don't know if we'll be, if me and Wei can compete with the star power now that, that Chris brings. I mean, wow. he will be, we should advertise that in advance. I mean, he's just, this is his, his, his crowd. Be a big star. But definitely, this. you gotta, yeah, you gotta get confirmation from him if he's gonna be coming to your, your show, dude. Yeah, he might have a handler. He might, like, just wanna have a, a section for, in the room, like, just to himself. Uh, please, no photographs. Chris Charlton. Might, maybe it'll be Tai Chi. Maybe Tai Chi will show up to your show as, as, I can't imagine only Way, Way's just gonna go mental. Dude, if, if Tai Chi showed up, I'd give him my seat and just say, you, you and Way finish the show. I'll just be over here getting you guys drinks or whatever you need. Tai Chi is more than welcome to come he, to our show. 
as long as he brings Miho with him, right? Well, I wonder if he travels alone or not. I, I know they bring the microphone. We, we could supply a microphone stand, though, for him. I, I think he'll bring his own. I think he's got his custom one, John, so well, we'll see. Well, on that note, with uh, our discussion always coming back to Tai Chi or on pandas, that's going to bring an end to this month's show. WH is uh, back each month chatting with myself, and we really need to uh, make this announcement of of your your next uh, project. So I'm going to uh, guarantee by the next show we will we will have an announcement to make. Does that sound good? Okay, so we're not announcing it now. We're not announcing it right now. No. Okay. I, I need to. I need to double check with the uh, the man that makes all the the trains run out of the station at, at post wrestling. That being Wei Ting. Uh, I don't want to blindside him with a uh, message right now. But <laughs> there is a big announcement to come involving one W H Park. So uh, book off the summer and get ready, folks, because there is uh, lots coming to the world of postwrestling dot com. W H uh, for those out there that want to uh, give you a follow and find out the latest on Ice Ribbon or whatever is going on, uh, where the, can they follow you? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at at W H Park Nine, the number nine, and yeah, I I post very regularly up there my thoughts of wrestling that I'm watching at the time, who I think looks good, who I think looks shitty, who I hate, who I like. I, I don't hold back on Twitter. Oh, John. we know. I, I get we know. Into- I get into a lot of trouble with people in wrestling because of my Twitter. Don't ever change WH. People want the unfiltered WH Park on Twitter. It's the only way. Exactly. Well, everyone, have a wonderful weekend. Uh, keep it locked to postwrestling.com. Lots of shows coming up next week. Way and I will be off to New York next week for WrestleMania weekend. Plenty of bonus shows coming your way if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And WH will be back. We will... Uh, Find out what his WrestleMania week uh, ended up consisting of, what stands out, and lots more when we are back in a couple of weeks.